G'day, g'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I want to let you know that some of you may be aware that over the past eight years, I have built a substantial multifamily real estate portfolio here in the US worth over half a billion dollars. And in that time, my passive investors have received fantastic double digit returns. And now you too can invest directly into my deals for as little as $50,000. So if you're an interested investor, head over to reedgoosens.com to find out more. That's reedgoosens.com. Now back into the show. And it's really hard when you're coming from a market like that of LA, where you know, the average single family home price is $800,000 or something like that. It's hard to get started in real estate investing when you're up at that kind of threshold. And there's several markets across North America that are, that are like that. And so it's great if you've established cash flow to be able to then transition into an asset like that where you're going to see tremendous appreciation. But in the beginning of your journey as a real estate investor, I strongly encourage you to go into markets and you, you might have to drive three or four or five hours. You might have to go even further than that, depending on where you're located, identifying those areas that are able to generate cash flow is the is the place where you start your journey. You can sleep all at night. And then once you've been able to create that portfolio generate, then you can move on into areas that really create wealth. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reid Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug with the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today's show. 
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Van Sturgeon. Now, Van is an experienced entrepreneur of over 30 years. He successfully created several different businesses in the real estate industry that covers everything from land acquisitions to development to property management, construction, and including renovation. Now, Van personally owns over a thousand properties across North America, and he is semi-retired from the day-to-day operations of the business. However, he's still really, really, really passionate about helping homeowners and other real estate investors overcome their fears and their fears of renovations and rehabbing, but he just loves to be actively involved in helping people figure out how to make their lives better through real estate investing. So I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible knowledge and insight with me. But enough out of me, let's get him out here. G'day, Van. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me, Reeb. I've been looking forward to having this uh, uh, exchange and jibber-jabbering conversation for a while. So, uh, I, I yeah, I love talking about real estate just like you. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Mate, jibber-jabber is what we do on this show best, right? So, uh, I always tell people, it's like, pretend you're having a beer with your Aussie mate. But without, with that being said, let's set the stage. Rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. As a kid, I made my first dollar working for, uh, I, I suppose, working indirectly for my father. Uh, we, I've got an interesting story in that uh, I, my parents started buying their first dream home. They went out and had an opportunity to purchase the apartment building that we were actually living in. Wow. Um, we were living in a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, my parents are immigrants to, to the United States, and um and it was true uh, that them living there they ultimately were able to find i don't know how they found this opportunity and uh, they became landlords and through that then i worked uh, i worked for my father so i guess not that i ever saw a dollar from him um uh, but I, I i was working for for him you you understood the value of a dollar, which is probably the better the better question. How do you first understand the value of a dollar through working for your dad? <laughs> oh, uh, I, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that, in that regard, uh, like when you have to uh, when you understand uh, when you're working for, for when you're working uh, and and you, yeah, you need to be uh, definitely. So, with that understanding, or you know, I guess fluke that your parents bought that property. Did that help set the stage for wanting to always be in the real estate game? Did you go off to university and study something else and then come back to real estate later? Or was always from from day one, you've been real estate 101? Um, well, it definitely opened my eyes and exposed me to to uh, the to the industry, to the business. But I can't say that it had a positive uh, impact because we... Uh, we went through some turmoil. My parents went through some turmoil in the acquisition of this asset because it happened in the late 70s where things were all wonderful and rosy and then things sort of quickly deteriorated in terms of the economy. Uh, There's a mass migration of folks from the city of Chicago out into the suburbs. And uh, this lovely, wonderful building that was fully occupied started to experience 30, 40, 50% vacancy over a pretty quick period of time. So back uh, back then, the margins or the the, uh, the, fat, the the ability, the fat associated with purchasing an asset like that was much larger than it is currently uh, today's market. So they're able to survive even with these vacancies. But it wasn't a it wasn't a positive experience uh, grow uh, during that time. So uh, ultimately, what ended up happening is. Uh, uh, we were able to hold on and we, we did very well. My parents did very well with the, with the acquisition, but I went off to university and graduated and uh, with the, some aspirations of becoming a lawyer. And then um, 
but I, I just couldn't see myself push a paper around. And ultimately broke the bad news to my parents that day, this is not for me. And I was really intrigued by this whole idea of uh, becoming a general contractor and working problem solving uh, and that's, uh, in that respect. So that's what got me started um, sort of in the real estate field in that I became a general contractor in the late 80s. Um, started going around, working my tail off, trying to on the hustle. And ultimately, I created a little bit of a portfolio of, of work. And I kept running into these real estate investors who were doing these flips, were doing these value adds and things of that sort. And that's what really exposed me to real estate investing. And, and the first property that I actually purchased was in 1991. It was an actual flip that I, that I did at that time. And um, I think it was over a five-month period where I was able to buy this uh, do a pretty, you know, at the time it was, a, uh, it was an extensive renovation. I paid a total, I think around $17,000 in renovating the place. I bought the place for around 40,000, just to give you perspective. And, uh, when it's all said and done, I was able to clear somewhere around $30,000 from that flip, which was a lot of money back then. And in comparison, like there's a lot of good professionals back in that day that were probably making around that same amount of money for a whole year's worth of work. And I was able to do it in five, uh, five six months time. So it really exposed me to the power of real estate and got me hooked. So uh, living in Chicago as, grow, as I was growing my general contracting business, I also then uh, started dabbling uh, into real estate and started to grow, uh, started to do a lot more fix and flips and things of that sort and got into, uh, into buying holds. Uh, I was doing the Burr strategy way before there was even a Burr, uh, to give you perspective. So this is going way back. Awesome, awesome. And what has, you've obviously clearly had a long history in the real estate game. What has been some of the, you know, I'm sort of jumping fast forward now. What's looking back, what's been the biggest lesson you've taken away from from what you've been involved with over the years? And, we'll, and, we'll, and I do want to pick apart all your story because I think it's still, you've got a lot, a lot of other gems of it. Just, you know, banner on the wall, what would be that number one saying that you'd print out? If I really run it out to the 30,000 foot level, look down and what I believe folks should be, you know, younger entrepreneurs out there, younger folks are trying to figure things out. I, I truly believe that uh, my successes uh, were as a result of me identifying that one gift that I'm really good at and going out there and exploiting that. Um, I'm a really good, I, I love construction, I love renovation, I love real estate and the problem solving associated. Like in many respects, we as real estate investors are problem solvers in that we're acquiring assets that typically are maligned, there's issues with them, and we're trying to problem solve, trying to create uh, some type of a value out of it to be able to then maximize that in terms of uh, you know, renovations and, and what we do for our investors or for ourselves. So uh, I, I, one of the things that I take away is I'm hopefully from, uh, that I've gotten in my travels through life is that uh, I really would encourage people to find their, their genius, their gift, and, and use that, exploit that. Oftentimes I find folks that are running out there with their W-2 jobs and they're not happy is because they're not doing what they are meant to be. And we all have, I believe that the universe, God has placed at least one gift. Some people are fortunate enough to have multiple gifts, but whatever that genius is, whatever that gift is to go out there and exploit it, because that's truly where you find success in financial terms and just in well-being. If you're doing what you truly love and enjoy, you're naturally good at it and you find pleasure in it. And 
uh, you could drive tremendous success from it. Oh, I, I, I think that is so, so true, so powerful. It's, it, it, you know, it's, it, it, I don't want to say it's cliche, but so many people I've interviewed in this show talk about that. Well, talk about mindset and talk about finding the one thing that they're good at. But you know, with someone with such you know a depth of experience as you, I think that it just rings true. You have to find what you're passionate in. You went from being a lawyer to a general contractor to really scratching that itch of curiosity. I think to really then finding what that passion was, uh, and that's you know what that's what we are as human beings put on this planet to do is keep you know. Keep being curious, keep finding that, that itch and keep scratching it as we, we get older and older. So as they say, even at 36, like, what do I want to do when I get older? I want to keep keep, keep being curious. So really um, to add, really read those, yeah. uh, sorry to interrupt the ad, like if I were to have taken the road that my parents want to, wanted me to, to be a lawyer, I, I don't think I would have been able to survive. And I don't, I definitely would not have been as happy, mm-hmm. anywhere near as happy as I am. I, I'm really happy in everything that I've been able to accomplish in my life. And it was just following, you know, just utilizing, using that gift that, uh, that I've been blessed with. And, and this is where I'm at today. That's awesome. That's freaking awesome. Well, now, now rewinding back to the story a little bit, um, I guess the, the question comes is, is where, you know, what is, maybe I need to ask what you're doing today. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, what are you, what's, what does today look like? Cause then we can unpack that to get into how you built it to what you built today. Well, right now, um, I'm, I'm semi-retired from the day-to-day stuff. I have a number of successful businesses, and, and I've been fortunate enough to, uh, to help create uh, through, through the shoulders of employees and also in partnerships. So right now, I spend my time earlier in the morning, wee hours in the morning, checking in on those things at the 30,000-foot level. And I, and I rely on those folks to, to, to stay on track and, and produce. Um, my my time right now. Uh, the reason why I, I I I was able to downshift or change course in life was that I had several years ago a bit of a health scare, mm. and it really put my life in perspective. I was uh, I was uh, the kind of guy that would jump out of the out of the house by at four or five and wouldn't be home until eight nine, and I did that for a long long time. And it takes a toll, not only physically, but for the people that we love, uh, mm-hmm. my family, my wife, I miss birthday parties and weddings and stuff like that. To the point of how crazy and how driven I was, I, t- I got married and the following day I closed on a deal. <laughs> and I <laughs> sure your wife loved you then. until a year later, just to give you perspective of how crazy right. and how passionate I was. Uh, in you know when in, in my businesses, uh, so um, and so th- right now I spend my time doing these types of things, uh, getting out the good word about the value of real estate and how it has impacted my life and how it it, it can impact anybody who chooses to go down that road. I think it's the best form of uh, creating that financial freedom and generational wealth by making that investment in real estate, especially now considering what you're seeing, the carnage out there in the stock market and in the fear that's, uh, that's out there. Hey, if you got a, if you purchase right and you got a, you got a, an asset like real estate, um, you can sleep all at night. You can, you can keep on trucking. Whereas folks with, you know, in the stock market and other investment opportunities that are out there, you know, are sweating it out. And there's, and so that's the reason, that's where my mission in life right now is to get out the good word. For those of you who are interested in staying up to date with all the latest happenings in my business, 
or to learn more about passively investing directly into my multifamily value-add deals, then head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. By signing up, you'll automatically be notified about my new up-and-coming investment opportunities. You'll be able to stay up to date with all the latest real estate news here in the United States and much, much more. So head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up today. Now, back into the show. What, is, what does the business ecosystem look like? I know I mentioned property management. You, you mentioned you're semi-retired. You're, you're cross, you, you, you keep using the word businesses. What, what are they right now? Well, I, I have a general contracting business still. I still have, also have a restoration company that does uh, commercial work where, uh, for example, if you have a multifamily asset that requires work in the underground parking garages, and I'm sure you've got experiences in that where they're leaking and balcony repair and things of that sort. Uh, I also have a company that is dedicated to that. Um, I do also uh, have a custom home side of the uh, business mm-hmm. as well that I do. Um, and on occasion, subtract housing, some subdivisions if, if they come, my, come our way. And then property management. I all of these things, different facets of my businesses, I kind of uh, fell into as I've gone along this this wonderful road of thirty years. Uh, like from the general contracting led into starting to real estate, and then from real estate I acquired a portfolio of properties. And I was using a third party property manager at the time. I got frustrated with them, which is easily easy for me. I got an A plus kind of personality and I require certain things and I wasn't getting that. So I said, threw up my hands up in there. I said, you know what, I'm going to do this on my own. And uh-huh. so I, I put in the team in place and that led to the relationships I had with other uh, real estate investors who then said, hey, if you're, why don't you look after my portfolio of properties? And and that's how things kind of spiraled. And then as, as things went along, I've always been intrigued about building and, and construction and that's when I got into new builds uh, and you know, the house that I'm currently living in, I, I built myself and it was fun. And I ha- I don't think there's a piece of construction equipment that's out there that I haven't been on and fiddle with. And that's the kind of, that's, that's my passions. Those are, yeah. So that's, so, so that's how things kind of, kind of, kind of led to one another. And I've been fortunate in finding partners along the way as well. I can't say that I've done all this alone. When I got started a long, long time ago, Reed, I, I was, uh, the syndication kind of model wasn't really out there. I based my business on the JV side. Yep. Uh, eventually you get to the point where you run out of money. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I was able to structure deals uh, in that regard where folks would come up to me because back then we didn't have the internet. We didn't have, you know, the, the closest thing that we had to the internet was the yellow pages. So if you mm-hmm. wanted to market yourself or advertise, you had to be in that book. We didn't have the internet. And so uh, as a real estate investor, you would get together in these uh, RIAs, you would network, and then there would be people naturally would come up to me, look at the things that I was doing and say, you know, so uh, why don't we partner up? So sure, no problem. Put up all the money and I'll do all the work. And that's how I really started to put fuel to the, to the growth behind um, acquiring the portfolio that I that I currently have right now. I, I uh, we've kind of slowed down in terms of acquisitions, but I think we're up to we're over twelve we're over twelve hundred doors right now, That's and right. I'm selective. Uh, like I, I can't say like as I mentioned, I'm selective. I'm in four specific markets. I don't deviate from that. I don't chase after deals. I don't chase after markets. 
Uh, these are markets that I have teams in place that I know very well. And because of relationships that we've established within those markets, I'm privy to a lot of great stuff before it hits the, you know, the, the, the wire. So, um, and that's again, through a number of through many years. And that's one of the difficult parts of new investors. And I'm sure it's the same with you, Ray. You have established relationships. So for a new syndicate, for a new real estate investor to start to do what you're doing, it's not easy because you have established relationships with the big boy, five-star brokerage firms. They know who you are. And if they come across an opportunity, you're going to be the first one that they're going to reach out to, to look at. And then if you pass on it, then you, you know, then they start searching for other people. And that's the, that is the, that, that, that's unfortunately the nature of the business. Um, I, I went through this try, uh, struggles in trying to get up to pecking order. And, and I thankfully I'm at that point where I could look at opportunities. I, I've come across situations, interestingly enough, where I help clients, whether it's on the single family home side and multifamily, all facets of real estate. So folks will come up to me and will need my assistance and help. And sure, no problem. That's what I do. I enjoy it. It fuels my soul to help, uh, help folks, in particular in real estate. And so uh, one particular instance happened was uh, uh, a client of mine uh, was all excited, sends me an email. I got a multifamily firm, one of those five-star operators, Marcus and Milchap. I got a, you know, they, they reached out and I'm looking at this particular listing and, and I'm like, wow, how do I tell them that I saw this already three weeks ago? And already, you know, we already looked at it and like, like, this is something that we're passing on. But then, you know, being in the same market, these folks, you know, got a knock on the door saying, here's your opportunity. Look at this deal. But it's a deal that didn't make sense for me. And obviously now it's being passed on to somebody else to, because at the end of the day, real estate brokers need to sell, you know, they need to sell. So, yeah, anyways, I don't know how we got on that tangent, but uh, that's, <laughs> that's what no, it, 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 it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's so many good nuggets there. I think what I want to quickly circle back to is, uh, and, and a lot of people on this show, I, I like real estate is, you know, you're right. It's, a, it's the foundation for creating wealth. But what I hear in your story, what I hear in a lot of people's story on this show is the actually the building of the ecosystem, the general contracting combined with the deals, combined with the property management, combined with even maybe brokerage at some point, all starts to feed each other. And that that in itself is really where like you nearly become your own Amazon of your own businesses, right? You, you, you're doing the soup to nuts. You're figuring it out. You're getting frustrated with third-party vendors. And I know in my growth, I get the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm at a stage now with, you know, three and a half thousand units that I'm like, do I need to bring property management into house? I'm not like kind of liking certain things in the business. I need to control a little bit more and, and, and opportunities start to present themselves. And that is really where it's an exponential curve in terms of growth because it's just, it's, it's perpetuating and feeding each other one, 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 one piece. You can keep it all in house more. So I can, I, I just wanted to, to touch on that. And, and again, so many people who have been listening to this show for a long period of time, you know that I, I, I love ecosystems and businesses. I think that is. I think that is probably when you say you're you're curious about something. I think you're bu- you're curious about building that business because it helps business A, that helps business B, that helps business C, and it keeps on it keeps on snowballing. Absolutely, and I to- I'm glad you uh, have experienced uh, what I have gone through in my life, and it gets to the point where you start looking at how to create more efficiencies, create more processes and systems to implement, and part of that is to branch off. And, and we are entrepreneurs. 
We mm-hmm. are excited by the thrill of the chase, by creating, by working it, by achieving, you know, uh, hitting goals and, and being able to create more goals. And, and that part of that is that expansion of moving on into other areas. So property management for, for me was the natural extension of it. Why, why, ha- why wouldn't I bring that in-house? And again, I, my situation is, uh, might be different from others in that my portfolio of properties are concentrated in certain areas. And so I, I'm able to do that. Whereas with a lot of syndicators out there, I'm not sure what your case is, but a lot of syndicators have, have a difficult time in doing that because their properties are all over, all over North America in some cases. So, right. uh, so anyways, you understand the, 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 the I totally agree with, uh, with what you said. I want to touch a little bit on, you mentioned four markets. What are those four markets you're currently focused on or have been focused on uh, historically? Well, I, I got, when I got started, my, my, the, four, the markets that I concentrated on originally were, I, I, I'm a big fan, a proponent of cash flow before we start moving into markets that are, on a pre, the, the start, that are more prone for appreciation. So I, I, uh, working class, C-class kind of buildings, the 40, 50, 60 unit was my bread and butter, and that's how I create portfolio. And ultimately, then uh, ladder, once I established that base, then I moved into more higher appreciating areas. So uh, I've, got, uh, I've got assets in uh, D- Detroit and in Cleveland area. And then I also have things in Tampa, Florida, as an example. So that is an area that's more uh, definitely is a, 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 an appreciation play versus a cash flow. I always encourage folks um, that when they're getting into real estate, is I just had a, a potential client come reach out to me. They're struggling. They are in Los Angeles and they're looking mm-hmm. to get started in real estate. And it's really hard when you're coming from a market like that of L.A., where you know, the average single family home prices is $800,000 or something like that. It's hard to get started in real estate investing when you're up at that kind of threshold. And there's several markets across North America that are that are like that. And so it's great if you've established cash flow to be able to then transition into an asset like that, where you're going to see tremendous appreciation. But in the beginning of your journey as a real estate investor, I strongly encourage you to go into markets and you, you might have to drive three or four or five hours. You might have to go even further than that, depending on where you're located, identifying those areas that are able to generate cash flow is the, is the place where you start your journey. You can sleep all at night. And then once you've been able to create that portfolio generate, then you can move on into areas that really tr- create wealth. Like when mm-hmm. you buy a property, I've seen tremendous growth from things. And I, sh- I kick myself. I, I, I've, I've looked at properties. I've sold properties in these high appreciating areas. You know, one, give your perspective. One I actually talked about on a, on a video on Instagram, TikTok, and the thing is blown up to be, to go on what these kids call viral. It's because I think I like two and a half, three million people that viewed it. And it was really honest. Uh, what happened in 2001, I purchased this 48 unit, I think it was, yeah, uh, building for $4.7 million, did a little renovation. And in 2007, at the cusp, I started to get a little uh, uh, storm clouds uh, on the horizon. And I thought, okay, maybe I should cash out. I did. I made, I sold it for seven and a half million and I did really well on it. But that same asset, if I had to hold out to it, is worth probably 18, 20 million dollars. But who had the foresight, Reed, (laughs) to be able to get into that, right? No, I completely agree with you. I, 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 it's, it's so many things in what you've just said there uh, resonate with me in terms of when I got started. So when I first moved to this country, living in New York City, couldn't afford New York City. Where could I afford? 
Syracuse, New York, right? Yep. 38,000 bucks. That's what I could afford. I remember getting on the Greyhound bus from Penn Station, traveling up there because it was four hours. A couple of hours being driven around by a broker, four hours back, enough time to have some beers with the boys in the pub, right? right. And it, it, it's what I could afford. It, it's, I had it, I'd only saved about thirty or $40,000. And I was like, I can't, no one's lending to me. I'm fresh off the boat. I'm from Australia. I'm this foreign guy. I don't even know what the freaking hell, you know, a credit score is. Um, but 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 you, you're right. You start in markets where they cash flow. And that's because the barriers to entry are probably a little lower, right? You don't have super amounts of growth. Now, I know in my last 10 years about living here, I'm now like a place like Austin, Texas, right? I've been investing in Austin since 2015. Well, I've just exited a bunch of deals out there and Austin has completely become like a tier, like has become a high appreciation market, right? It's yep. a it's a classic go from secondary to primary market. And and I live in Los Angeles, for example. So I'm <laughs> this house I'm living in, I bought it in COVID, right? So now I'm I'm sitting pretty nice with a little bit of a uh, little bit of equity, but I hear exactly what you're saying. You got to get started where it makes sense for you, for, for the investors. You know, where, where your money's going to you know maximize. And like me, like you, like many people listening to the show, you got to go where you can afford it. And that typically will be your more cash flowing markets where you may not have as high appreciation, but the barriers to entry are a lot lot lower. So you mentioned, I think you said Cleveland, Tampa. Where are you based actually right now? I didn't even ask. Where where, where, where are you coming from? I, I spent half of my time up in Toronto, Canada. Uh, I got a lot of family and my wife uh, is Canadian. And uh, so we got a lot of family up here. So I spent half my time, uh, typically the warmer months uh, mm -hmm. up here. And then I head over down to Florida uh, during the winter time. Um, so that's what I do. So I'm, uh, uh, I'm a bit transient and I'm looking at doing something else uh, purchasing perhaps another uh, home, maybe in Europe and be able to spend some time over there too. Um, Lovely. One of the beautiful things about this whole technology with the Zoom thing, like what we're doing right now is totally, totally revolutionized our ability to be able to reach out and connect with people. Like I have currently clients that are, you know, places like uh, New Jersey and in Florida and in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm able to, they have me put on uh, their phone and I'm actually pretty much side by side with them as I'm looking at their asset and trying to determine issues and questions that they might have and stuff like that. It's, it's a game changer. It's phenomenal. So I'm able to do and reach out and help people anywhere in North America, in the confines of my little house, anywhere, my house could be anywhere. And it's, mm -hmm. it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing what technology has done. No, it completely is. And and first and foremost, hello to all our North American Canadian uh, listeners. I know we have a few, fair few of them. I was actually in Vancouver myself just recently visiting some good family friends. Um, who huge, actually got Reed, huge appreciating area, huge by the way. Huge appreciation. Market. Crazy. That's, Toronto, man. crazy. Uh, just like the LAs and the Phoenixes of the world, crazy, crazy. Yep. Well, I will say- when I compare from my home country, Canada and the US, Canada is the hybrid between the US and Australia. So Australia doesn't have multifamily like we do here in the US. It just won't get into it, cost of housing, all that sort of stuff. But you know, Canada and Australia is still part of the Commonwealth, but you still get some more on the multi larger multifamily stuff in, in Canada and your lending practices are just a little bit, you know, you have more people. So you, you sort of being a neighbor to America, you, you just sort of things permeate up there that, that may not permeate as much in Australia. So when I when I compare everything, when I say, oh, I come from Australia, Australia's on one end, America's on the other, Canada's right in the middle when there's a the, the, the baby between the two of them. So um, awesome, awesome stuff. What are you seeing now in today's market? We've, we've obviously had huge changes. We're sitting here on June, June 16th, 
the, the, the Fed's increasing interest rates to, you know, ease, um, you know, to offset the quantitative easing and the, the inflation that we're seeing. What is your crystal ball being involved? And you, you've been involved since the, the early 90s. What are you seeing right now? Where, where do you think we're headed in terms of, um, you know, are we heading into recession? Are we headed into a major real estate crash? Are we not? Do we keep, you know, doing what we're doing and, and buckling down? Oh, there's so many different, uh, I get this question asked so often from clients and from podcast appearances I've been on. And so uh, I will try to unravel this as quickly and as best as I can. First and foremost, I don't have a crystal ball. I'll put my, I'll give you my two cents worth. But sure. before I get to that point though, uh, uh, real estate, the beautiful part about real estate is that we are always, uh, I, there's two pillars that I believe a successful real estate investor needs to stand on. One is to find a fabulous off-market great deal. The second uh, pillar of that is to find an op, uh, is that whatever opportunity you are able to acquire, you got to do some type of a value-add renovation to to be able to do something successfully with it. And I can, uh, you can't work one without the other. I can give you a great deal and you can screw it up on a renovation by choosing a bad contract or over-renovating, all that stuff. And I, you can take a great, uh, you can take a horrible deal and do a fabulous renovation, value-add, whatever, and you still end up screwing it up. So those are the two pillars that successful real estate investors should bank on. So even in this day, even in this tumultuous time that we're in, there are opportunities that still exist today. In particular sure. right now, Reed, and I'm sure you see it, there's fear out there. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother told me the way to catch fish is in muddy waters, not in clear waters. And so now that there's all this interest rate hula and then inflation and the economy and recessions and, you know, these Bitcoin people are scaring everybody and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's opportunities out there in real estate. And there's always opportunities in real estate, no matter what. You know, I want to dumb it down to like the single family home side just to keep the perspective. And sure. it's applicable to multifamily as well. There are opportunities out there in every market. And cash flowing markets and appreciating markets. I don't know the neighbor across the street that is going through a marital problem or the house five doors down that you know somebody passed away and then they're checking, looking to sell their assets, collect on an inheritance. There's so many opportunities out there every single day. We just got to go out there and work it and find them. With regards to the overall economy and where direction is, real estate market is the most stable asset uh, that you can, uh, that you can be invested in. Uh, and, and the reason why I say that, the only area at that time in my life that I saw this major blip downwards was in 08, 09, which is historic. And But if you look at other downturns in the real estate, the, uh, in the real estate market, there's just things that will slip down a little bit and sort of lie around. They won't appreciate. They won't go up down. They kind of da, 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 and then all of a sudden take off. It's only in 08, 09 where we had something disastrous. The, uh, we need housing and people need to live somewhere. And I don't see that with interest rates going where they're going. All I can see is that valuations on properties, because there's so much money floating around that the government printed out and handed out all over the place. All I see is real estate going up as an asset class. And with interest rates, unfortunately, because of all this money that's sloshing around, not only in the United States, but around the world, there's a limit to how far interest rates can go. They can't go back where I got started. Well, not back. Well, when my parents got started in 79, 80, interest rates had gone all the way up to 18 something percent. You could have bought property with a credit card. 
<laughs> We're not going to see that happening anytime soon. And the reason for that is there's so much debt that the federal governments around the world have accumulated that an interest rate to go up that high would be catastrophic. Governments' revenues couldn't possibly pay any of that down. So uh, there's going to be a cap to how far this is going to go. I think my crystal ball uh, forecast of what's happening right now, what's going to happen is that we are in a recession already. Really mm-hmm. weird one in that the economy is overheated. Uh, we, uh, I've got friends of mine who own factories and businesses that can't find employees. And that all these combined things are leading to a recession if we're not already in one. So this, you know, I see we will see a couple of more interest rate hikes, and which I believe will stop by the end of this year, beginning of next and things will come down and they need to come down. We're really in a very precarious situation. And I'm glad to see, I'm happy to see that the Federal Reserve Board was proactive much more than what they were you know, a month or two ago. Um, the market has already spoken, if you look at the 30 year and 10 year anyways, that interest rates need to be hacked up. And eventually they're gonna, we're gonna hit a stable point that things will start to, the economy will slow down and then we'll transition into growth. And we wanna be, uh, we want to get into that period of time because it's not healthy one direction or the other. And I think we're moving toward that. I'm hoping so. Love it. Love it. No, and, and the only other thing I'll add there is, and it, which is interesting about what you mentioned before, and you said it before, which was really key. And if you didn't pick up people, every country around the world's having the same problem. I was just in Australia. The federal equivalent of the Fed in Australia has raised the cash rate one of the highest it's done in 15 years in the Australian history. Same happening in Europe, same happening in Mexico, same happening in Canada. We all had the same problem with this COVID. 2008 was an American problem that percolated around the world. Today, we're all at the same starting block. We're all trying to figure out the same thing, right? My only hesitation, I don't know, not even hesitation, I don't know how you solve for those factories getting those workers back into to work, right? Yeah, I, I don't know how, you know, again, unemployment in Australia is people have got signs up in the local cafes and we need help, we need help. It's same here in, in, in America and probably in Canada, the same thing. I, I don't know how the workforce, you just solve for that instantly. I, I, I don't know. Rising interest rates, I don't know what that fix. I'd love, do you have any two cents on that before we close out the podcast on just, your know, interest rates will slow down. You can, you can jam interest rates, you can stop liquidity. I get that and it's a really prudent way for economies to slow growth. But supply chain and employment, how do you, how do you, that doesn't, no one government can fix that instantly. And it seems to be a problem across the globe. I, I, it is. And unfortunately, uh, the problem is not that there, we don't have enough bodies out there to fill these positions, is that uh, federal governments all around the world have made it to the point where it's easy for folks to make a decision to stay and sit and not go out to work. And if there is, uh, uh, and I think there will be, and We'll see. I think there's going to be a day of reckoning associated with that, where there's going to have to be some drastic cutbacks in government spending. And ultimately, that will result in people having to go back into the workforce. I, I think that's the only solution. It's not an American problem. It's a, it's a Western democratic kind of capitalist problem right across the board. We've built this social net to the point where uh, we can't allow anybody to fail. We can't allow anybody to uh, but we need to create some accountability with regards to that. Mm. And I think that's the only solution. Be uh, Whether we're going to have the political will to get to that point, we'll see. Uh, well, that's the other continue. thing you got, you got to add in there is there's going to be a there's going to be an election cycle coming around at some point. You know, that, that always seems to, oh, you know, regardless of what side of the political sphere, you're going to, someone's going to 
bang on a drum somewhere. Uh, the other thing I, I know, and I don't know if you read this stat, that was, and I, I know, I just know from personally, like my dad, for example, with the crazy growth of the superannuation, it's called superannuation in Australia, but but the IRAs here, there's a lot of people in COVID. And I don't know how much we're talking about this, but I know there's been some reports out there, and I, and I don't know the statistic between someone who's just been a dull bludger and someone who's just you know, left the workforce. But there's a lot of people that left the workforce in that 50 to 60 age range because they're, they're, they're like, why would I go back? I don't want to risk myself. And I saw a stat of 5 million. I don't know if that's even correct. I got no idea. But it's interesting to think on that spectrum where you've got these experienced workers leaving the workforce because their their savings have gone up because the stock market did really, really well. I don't know if this change in the stock markets across the globe will force them to come back and if they will be even employed. But on the other side of the spectrum, how do you replace those people with unskilled labor? You know what I mean? So it's like there's that element as well, which is this, I just know that because my dad retired in, in COVID because he's freaking superannuation went through the roof. You know, like, so you have these experienced people who, are at the end of their career, I'm like, well, fuck it, I'm not going. I'm not going back. You know, why would I go back? You know, it's just. But those are the people, Reed. But those are the people that are uh, are in an organization the most valuable because they've gone right. through it, and you need them. The 56 right. year olds, you know, old folk is like me, who's 56 years old. You know, the wealth of experience and stuff like that. You can't run off into YouTube land or read a book on. Or, or get someone 18 years out of university. And those people are important to the economy. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't replace a 56-year-old with 30 years experience with an 18-year-old. So there's, there is that, there's that interesting, and I, I, again, I'm not, I, I, it's not a, it wasn't a, a, a counter to your argument of, of, of the dull bludgers or what, you know, whatever, but it just was an interesting, I read an article probably six or seven months ago that was like, that's a, that's a good point. How do you, how do you replace Skilled workforce. If people have exited the workforce because they just like stuff it, I'm in my old. I'm yeah, whatever. I don't want to get COVID. I don't want to freaking you know. So it's a, it's an interesting time to say the least. And I, I'm 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 I, but I 100 agree with you that there's opportunities in every single market, and you have to be active. One right, you've got to continue looking at deals because you're hanging around the hoop long enough, something will fall off and you'll get a rebound. Even with those bigger brokers, trust me, I'm getting calls from brokers like, who the hell is this? You're calling me now? <laughs> you wouldn't pick up my phone call six months ago. So I completely agree with you. Um, just to wrap up the show, where do you see, what, what, what's the sort of next year, three years have in store for you personally and professionally as you, know, as you sort of in, you know, drift off into the sunset in terms of uh, semi-retirement? I'm really uh, I, I'm developing uh, I'm developing these outreaches uh, to be able to get the good word out about real estate investing, in particular on that renovation value add. I think it's a particular uh, topic that isn't really discussed by these real estate gurus that are out there talking about how wonderful it is to you know acquire a property. I'm talking more so in the single family uh, space, and really not a lot of focus is placed on that whole how to plan and manage a successful renovation rehab to an asset. Um, and, and that's where I, I, I think that's where my calling is. And I see a void in the marketplace. And that's where I'm over there pounding the drums to, to get as much information, good content out there with regards to that. HGTV and the Hollywoods of the world make it so wonderful to grab a house and flip it in 30 minutes. Uh, the house is done. And they go kind of bypass or fast forward a whole prospecting of finding contractors and being able to find good quality ones, keeping them accountable, making sure that, you know, the deposits are given, they don't skip out on you. And 
all that wonderful stuff. The HGTV Hollywood kind of bypasses that. Oh, they show this beautiful wall that comes down, you know, demo the wall and hooray. But nobody, you know, then the pan, the cameras pan away from that drop wall. And they don't talk about all the dust that went up in the air and all those millions of pieces that somebody's got to pick up and take out to the dumpster, that kind of stuff. So I'm out there talking, uh, talking about it. And uh, I, I, and I and I and I hopefully I'm delivering tremendous value to people uh, with regards to that, especially new real estate investors who are struggling uh, to try to get the you know to take the next step. And ultimately, at the end of the day, no matter what fashion you get involved in real estate, you should get involved in real estate. It should be a huge percentage of your overall portfolio. Some of it should be placed in assets like stock market and stuff like that. But I think the dramatic uh, a percentage of it should be placed in real estate. And if you can't do it on your own, there are some great, wonderful people like you, Reed, who does a fabulous job of taking, the, taking their dollars and putting it to work and doing really well with it and phenomenal returns that you're returning, that you're giving to investors. Love it, mate. Absolutely love it. Well, look, at the end of every show, we'd like to dive into the top five lightning round tips. Are you ready to get into it? I'm scared, but I'll do the best that I can. <laughs> Question number one is, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Uh, I go for a daily walk and I find that these walks, whether it's, uh, uh, for, I don't know, depending on the, between anywhere from, uh, from a 30 minutes or an hour really kind of resets me. It gives me an opportunity to kind of do some reflection. People uh, people go into the meditation thing. I'm more, I'm a, I'm a walker. You're a walker. Love it. Question number two is, uh, what has been, who has been the most influential person in your career to date? Uh, to be, aside from my parents, which would be the easy kind of uh, answer to your question. Uh, I, I will tell you that there was one particular gentleman in, in Chicago that uh, I was able to get some mentorship from that really put me on the track to where I've uh, enjoyed the, the successes. Um, I'm a huge proponent of mentorship, uh, going to people who have already done it and soliciting their uh, help and assistance. And it'll cost you money, perhaps even a lot of money, which in my case it did, but it was it's, it's akin to the analogy that I use often to learning how to play the guitar. You can go on YouTube and you can read a bunch of books to try to figure it out. And in a couple of years, maybe you might learn how to play the damn thing. Or you hire a guitar teacher who sits right beside you and goes you through the whole motions and making sure that you're doing it properly. I think that's a much better way to go. So in my regard, uh, that mentor in Chicago was the one that made the most profound impact. Love it. Love it. Question number three is, in your real estate business, what is the number one tool that you use? And when I say tool, it could be a physical tool like a phone or a journal, or it could be um, a piece of software that you just can't run the business without. What is it? I, 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 what I suggest to lots of folks when they get started in real estate, I, 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 not sh I, I like to touch on this is that you need to get into systems and processes associated with you being a serious real estate investor. And part of that is getting into a, into a client resource management CRM system where any outreach that you're making, and I know you're doing it, Reed, when you're reaching out to a new real estate agent, to a mortgage broker, to investors, whatever, you input that information, you make notes of that conversation, and then you get into a habit that continuously maintain that relationship where a little alarm bell goes off every two weeks, three weeks, month, whatever, to you know go back to that contact and reach out to them and have that conversation. This is a Every business is a personal, you got to create relationships. If I like you, Reed, and you like me, we will do business. But you got to create that relationship. And that's one of the things that I'm a proponent on that we use in our business extensively is CRM systems. And that's what I encourage uh, your listeners to get involved in uh, 
as well. Love it, mate. Look, last question here is where do people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. Where do they go? I'm a re- I, I'm all over the place. Uh, I, I'm really, I've started to get really active on Instagram and TikTok. Van Sturgeon, look me up. Uh, there's a lot of great content I'm putting out there and posts and videos. And, and if you really want to reach out to me, that's one place. Also, I have my website, vansturgeon.com. Um, it's, a, it's a place where I've got a bunch of uh, podcast appearances that I've been on, as well as articles and things of that nature that I've uh, that have been uh, printed. And uh, it's a place where you can get some information. So if you need any help with regards to real estate investing, by all means, reach out to me. I'd love to be able to uh, help you. Awesome, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on today's show. I just want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. I think, you know, you're crazily passionate about what you do. You have been, you've still got that passion today. I can definitely feel it coming through the camera right now. Um, and just your, 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 your sheer experience and, and just being able to sit here and tell us, you know, all our, all us youngsters, including myself, you know, how, how to go out and, and, and have that one thing and be curious and scratch it and, and keep, keep on learning. I do love, and I will always go back to the, the, the business ecosystems that you've created and now coming full cycle into, you know, conversations in and around the economy and how you see that playing out, but but still investing in the fundamentals of real estate and still knowing how to make money in every single cycle, not just the up cycles, not just the down cycles, but in every single cycle. So did I leave anything out? I, I love the fact that we had this wonderful conversation. You, you've nailed it on the head, Ola Tegards. And uh, you're a smart guy. I really appreciate the viewpoint that you brought to uh, with regards to, you know, that older generation like me and how it relates to what's going on in the economy. It's an excellent, excellent point that I never thought about and just goes to show you how smart of a guy you are. <laughs> just, just trying to learn from other people, my friend. But look, again, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up very, very soon. Thank you very much for having me and the same to you. Well, there you have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Van. Remember, jump out to vansturgeon.com, that S-T-U-R-G-E-O-N.com. Check him out on Instagram and TikTok. I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ. If you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give it a five-star review on iTunes. You can head over to my website and all the links from today's show will be up there on reedgoosens.com. Don't remember, or don't forget to share this show with your friends if you want to get the voice out. And we're going to do it all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Mm-hmm.